Bottle Episode is a spirited podcast about spiritist libations. Those under their country's legal drinking age should turn off this podcast and go do their homework. And welcome to Bottle Episode, the professional bartender's guide for the cocktail enthusiast. I'm one of the hosts, Lan Tollison. And I'm one of the other hosts, Elise Nye. And I'm a, a cocktail enthusiast. And I'm a professional bartender. <laughs> Episode 14? Yeah, uh, something like that. We're, and I feel like I've gotten, I've gotten worse down. at the intro. <laughs> you have. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, whatever. It's like, yeah, sophomore slump or something. Yeah, uh, 13, 14 episodes in, sophomore slump. <laughs> there we go. Well, today, folks, we have um, uh, someone who has quickly become a very, very, very good friend of mine, another mainstay at Roosevelt Room at this point, uh, hailing from Miami originally. Uh, we have Ivan Serna. Hey there, Lynn. How Hi, Elise. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so we just, we've, we spend. I think of the people at the Roosevelt Room, you and I maybe spend close to the most amount of time with each other at this point. Because of work or outside of work? Because of work. Okay. Uh, I mean, outside of work, maybe. Uh, but because of work, I feel like we spend a pretty crazy amount of time together just because of training and everything. I was going to say, like, definitely the main quad with the four of us, me, Dill, Tommy, and Johnny all going to training together. The amount of times that we see each other, plus just working shifts with you and Maddie, I feel like I don't think I've ever been around as as long for how as many hours as we are together constantly. I don't think I've ever had that in my life. Like I feel like I see Tomas a lot. Yeah, fair. <laughs> At this point, I feel like it, it's it may behoove us to have just like all the different trainees uh, on the on the show. Uh, throughout the course just to get get the glimpse of like what it is that the bartenders at the Roosevelt room go through and specifically what I'm putting you all through. <laughs> I think you should just do one episode of just the four of us yelling at each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not actually in the room. I don't think we have enough microphones for that, but I think we can make it work. We can, we can scrounge them up. We definitely do. We definitely do. Special episode yeah. of airing the grievances. That's true. We do have enough. I don't know if we have enough inputs for that. <laughs> well, I'll have to upgrade. Uh, yep. I, hold on one second. I or or really have to mic. just like share mics, get really close and just yell at each other even more. That should be good. Um, I just adjusted Ivan's mic to get it really close to his mouth. It's mm. really close to my mouth. There you go. Extremely. But yeah, uh, I think I sat in on a training or kind of I was there for a training for the first time in mm -hmm. the last little bit. And it's pretty, pretty intense. It does cool. get it gets pretty intense. Uh, there are three of us that run trainings. There's me, there's uh, Matt Corzelius, who was on the second episode of this podcast, and there's Justin, who's one of the owners of the Roosevelt Room and will be on the podcast soon. Uh, and all three of us kind of have different styles of how we go about things. We all, you know, the end goal that we're looking for is the same, but the the methodology by which we go about getting that information across, I think, is uh, varies from slightly to wildly different. To say the least, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is wild. Like, when I look at our group in particular, like, I think me, Tom, and Dill all have about the same amount of experience, like, historically in our career. Mm -hmm. And then you throw Johnny in there, who's brand new, used to be a chef, just decided that 
I want to start making drinks now. Yeah. Mm. And he he has been a bar back at the Roosevelt Room for, well, he was a bar back at the Roosevelt Room for like a year and a half and then started serving and and is now primarily doing that and training. But he's the, like seeing how somebody can go from square one, like no drinks knowledge whatsoever to working, you know, coming along very, very nicely at the training program for the training program uh, at one of like the top bars in the nation is uh, pretty, pretty impressive, pretty wild. Yeah, you know, we're cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's some hot shit over here. You know, here. you know, you know, not to pat uh, ourselves on the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, I, I, I'll just go fuck <laughs> Okay. Uh, also, so speaking of drinks knowledge, I guess, uh, what did you do before you came to the Roosevelt Room? Um, now that everyone knows all the ins and outs, everyone who listens to this, listens to this podcast is going to know all of like the Roosevelt Room characters and like sorry about the how sound. much time exactly they spend with each other. It's it's great. I think I think I probably have had a little more different coming up in the industry than most others. Um, I will hit my decade as a bartender before I turn thirty, and that kind of really weirds me out because I was coming up a lot sooner than I think I really realized until recently. Gotcha. Um, I started at a Houston's. Do you guys know about Houston's like restaurant group? No. Mm-hmm. She's super famous um, all around the country. There's like 60 of them. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was just before my 20th birthday when I became a bartender. I was a bar back there essentially. Um, made my way through. And I remember thinking I was the coolest fucking guy in the world. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can make a Cosmo. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> the best. And then. Um, oh, you wore a vest? No, no, I was the best. Uh-oh. I was like, <laughs> I did wear a vest. That was part of the uniform. <laughs> but um, I maybe like a year later of just being the most arrogant twenty-year-old in the world that thought that I knew everything there was about the bar industry. Someone came to me. I was like, Hey, man, you should really check out this bar called Sweetwater. And I was like, All right, whatever. Um, and I go sure. to Sweetwater, and quarter of a million dollars lining the walls of whiskeys. And then I'm watching these guys create cocktails and I'm just like, all oh, right, you're an idiot, man. Like <laughs> you had no right to be walking around like this. Like you need to get yourself checked. Sure enough, I did, man. And Sweetwater became a very important part of my life and everything became a stoking stone until I got there and it got me the job that I have now at the Roosevelt Room. So, oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Nice. Yeah. It's always like, I feel like there are levels to bartending. Um, at least for me, there were, there was, there was the, oh, I like got trained to bartend at this like pizza place slash beer bar and, oh, they taught me how to free pour. And so I think I know what I'm doing, (laughs) uh, to like, oh boy, this, the, the things that these cocktail bartenders are doing is wild to like, oh, like I'm that person now. And like, I'm the person that like. I am like doing the stuff that I thought was so rad and I'm just like so happy to be there and doing it. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten yourself checked where you're kind of like, oh, I'm that person. Then you're like, oh, I'm that person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there has definitely be, been those those moments in the past where I've like looked back on something I've said or something that I've like a technique that I thought was cool or whatever. And then been like, hmm, not the best. Uh, it's been cool to watch you do that all that too because I didn't know anything about cocktails before like dating you uh-huh. and like it it's fun to see the cocktails that you made or were working on like back in the day and then like what 
you'll whip up now if I'm just like, I'm in the mood for this thing. Yeah. So it's, I remember I remember really early on having some like hard opinions on specific cocktails uh, that really had no basis other than like I made a decision that I thought was the right one. Okay, and what were the young land hot takes? Young land them. hot takes. Um, <laughs> Outdated hot takes that aren't so hot anymore. Young land hot takes. Um, I don't know. I, I was very emphatic that a boulevardier needed to be served up and that it uh, was, was supposed to be bourbon heavy. Um, I don't really believe that anymore. I I prefer my boulevardiers and most of my uh, Negroni style cocktails on the rocks now. Um, and I, I prefer equal parts in a lot of cases. I think there's always a point that like you, you just kind of have to remind yourself that just because I like something like this doesn't mean that exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to make you like this. Like I had that point. I think it had to be at Sweetwater because by the time I started Sweetwater, I was, I was, I was competing in things already. Mm. And I remember like Sean, who was my old boss, like really, really rad guy. But Sweetwater, we were amazing cocktail bar and all that. But his his motto or his motto behind everything was party comes first, man. I can care less about these drinks if people aren't having a good time. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. he's like, if someone wants a the best espresso martini in the world or if they want a Boulevardier or if they want a Ramos Gin Fizz or if they want a vodka soda, they better have a good time if you're giving it to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who am I to judge what you like to drink is kind yeah. of like where I'm trying to find myself now. Yeah. I definitely looked down. I, I looked, I, I had a, a while there where I looked down on like club cocktails, you know, your lemon drops, uh, your amaretto sours, things like that. But honestly, they, they found, I, I find like, well, for one, the amaretto sour at Roosevelt room is like one of the best cocktails we have. Two, like you can make, you can do lots of cool stuff with those those drinks. And three, like people like what they like, and you shouldn't, you know, judge people for what they like. I don't think I have a problem with club cocktails as much as I have a problem with how people have a tendency to order them. Mm. If that makes a little more sense, I get that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I get it, and I think that that was probably more where my head was at. But yeah. but I kind of conflated the two and and ended up. Like judging people for like coming into a cocktail bar and ordering a vodka soda or whatever. Like that's, and I was just like, I was just a little like 23 year old shithead. And so, uh, I'm, I'm less of a shithead now, or at least I'm an older shithead. There's a shithead <laughs> yeah, with bad hips. Say, like, now, now you're <laughs> My hips are still fine. That's just shithead. you. That's a you thing. <laughs> These hips don't lie. They crack. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. I've heard it. Um, well, we haven't even talked about what cocktail we're, oh, we're getting right. into. We're today. like almost finished with. Because it's a Lannis good drink. definitely finished with. Um, like at any given point, y'all, just assume that I'm probably already done with the cocktail. Um, yeah, I I love this cocktail. I love this cocktail for a lot of reasons. What, uh, what cocktail is it? This is the Hotel Nacional. Yeah. Uh, the Hotel Nacional is delicious. Don't let anybody tell you it's too sweet. Uh, <laughs> I... I just think it's really great. And I think the history behind it is amazing. And I think the culture that Cuban cocktail has, the Cantinero culture, how it's come to America in the last couple of years, thanks to Julio Cabrera and Cabello Trova. Like, I think it's getting a lot of spotlight now, but I think it deserves even more so than it's really getting. For sure. Uh, yeah, talk a little bit more about uh, Cabrera and and all of that. I mean, Julio is amazing. I 
I've met him a couple times just being from West Palm and from Miami and like just being able to go to his bar is rad. And like the continental culture, I don't know what it is, but I swear Japan and Cuba are revered bartenders, like a true to tea career. And like you have to train, like you have to like like chef training kind of style. Mm. And you're seen like that, like when you're walking around. And Cuba has gotten to the point that, what was it called? Um, the club of bartenders of Cuba. Like it was a, like a full blown like thing. There was no bartender in Cuba that wasn't a part of it. And it was like, mm. and you couldn't even bartend unless you're so like, a part it's of it. It's like a guild. It was of? like the USBG, but you could not work unless you were in it. Huh. And it was like 1936, I think, was the year that absolutely no Cuban bartender wasn't a part of this thing because it was <laughs> such a like big entity in the country and about maintaining that culture. Um, not that I'm Cuban, by the way, I'm Colombian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's more so about the respect that they give the work and the respect that their work has given to them where they are seen like as a legitimate profession, which I do think our job is a legitimate profession, but I still feel like sometimes, I just think it's a very American thing to scoff at someone for being in the industry a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, shitty. that's, I think that that's, I agree that it's shitty. I think that it's going away to some degree uh, with with how big cocktail bars have gotten, with with the way that that like the craft that people bring to it, I think that people are, starting to respect the profession more. I really hope that it extends beyond cocktail bars and goes to the dive bartenders, like the club bartenders, all all the all of the bartenders and hospitality professionals that are working all the different posi- positions because sometimes people just love what they do and and are really good at it. I would not be a very good club bartender. I think that dive bartenders get all of our love. They get all of our love for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Like, I don't know any cocktail bartender that goes out in cocktails really all that much. We end up at dive bars because it's safe. Like, mm-hmm. we know those guys are going to take care of us. And you know what? I've, after I make 17 Hotel Nacionales, cold beer and a shot sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty great. <laughs> uh, and you you gave me the side eye when you said, don't say this cocktail is too sweet. Uh, I'd say it's it's... I find it more sweet than I would go for on a daily basis. That's fair. This is not this is not like my daily driver cocktail. I prefer something that's a little bit drier or something that's a little bit more tart. Uh, another, you know, very classic Cuban cocktail that we've talked about on the podcast before, the daiquiri, which is definitely what this is based off of. Yeah. Um, I I find to be a bit a bit more my speed on a regular basis. Uh, that said, Hotel Nacional. A good one hits the spot in a way that that a daiquiri can't. Uh, when when like that's the when it's the move for a hotel nacional, you can't really get that with anything else. I think if I'm like on a bender, like if I know I'm going out to get five drinks, hotel nacional is definitely how I want to start, and then I'll probably get more tart, more bitter as I mm-hmm. go through. But this is always kind of like quality appetizer. Like this is my bruschetta cocktail. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. It, hotel nacional is cocktail bruschetta. <laughs> What do you think, Elise? Yeah. I think it's really good. I love the pineapple-ness of it. Like, it it does feel like just like a juicier dagger. Tastes like more. Mm-hmm. Tastes like more. Tastes like more. Uh, it's more. And, and, and the comb- yeah, the combination of pineapple and apricot is not something that I would think of. Uh, which I guess we should talk about the, the ingredients of a Hotel Nacional. Uh, pretty classic, um, but 
uh, do you want to go over the specs or do you want me to? Um, well, it's about, depends on who makes it, but it's one and a half ounces of dark or light rum. Depends on who makes it. I like it with dark rum, but you're definitely going to get a little more bright notes with it with a white rum. Um, I think it's three quarter ounces of lime. Yeah. Um, pineapple juice, apricot liqueur, and I like it with some salt sometimes. Just a little bit yeah, of salt. A little hit of salt is good. And then there's a little bit of pineapple gum syrup as well, typically. Um, which, which just, it's a textural thing, but it also does accent the pineapple flavor a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, no pineapple and, and apricot is not something that I would think of off the top of my head, but it, they do work just like so nicely together. If you look at a lot of like South American or Caribbean style cocktails, like from that time period, like this was invented in 1930 something. Like they just threw fruit at each other because just to see what kind of happened. And I think that just kind of happened with this guy. It's like, you know, what sounds all right. I look at the fresh fruit section, some apricot and pineapple, a little rum. Right, run it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, rum and fruit just, you know, taste good. Yeah. I think Cuban cocktails in particular, just it's a lot more like just feel your environment. Like everything that we know about outside of the Presidente, which is Cuba's kind of response to Manhattan, in my opinion, anyways. Mm-hmm. Everything's like super like kind of chill. Yeah. Just uh, typ- typically pretty light and refreshing, not super boozy. Uh with the exception of the Hemingway, which was by design kind of boozy. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a delightful cocktail. It's, it's tart. It's sweet. It's like mildly tropical. I, I'm resistant to, I've become more and more resistant to the idea that just because a cocktail has rum in it, it, it is automatically tropical. Uh, apricot doesn't scream tropical to me. Pineapple does. So it's, 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 I mean, it's fairly tropical, but I don't know. I, I like the fact that, that a, like we're calling daiquiris tropical drinks. I don't know. That I have more beef with calling tropical. (laughs) Like it was invented in Cuba, which is, which is tropical, but like. Do you have a problem saying tropical because tiki culture? No, no. It's more just like. I don't know. I mean, I guess a daiquiri is like beach vibes, but like, I wouldn't say that a like vodka sour is. And it's essentially the same ingredients, just subbing rum for vodka and lemon for or lime for lemon. But I wouldn't call that a tropical drink. Would you? No, but. Like, I wouldn't call a gimlet tropical. No, but but I'm not drinking gimlets on the beach. But but you could, and but I'm, you you get what I'm saying. I though. Like saying, yeah. I I I don't disagree that it is a like I don't know what it is about it, other than like the, the fact that it, you don't like the word tropical. I don't I don't I think there's better. I think it has a weird tendency that when I think tropical, I think Malibu, like that's that's what just yeah Malibu rum. Like, and I just want to avoid the ideologies mm-hmm. entirely when I'm talking about spirits. Like there's certain words I like to avoid, and tropical is kind of one of those things that, like. I feel like people just think of certain things when you hear the word tropical. Yeah, I mean, there. What what you want with from a tropical drink is a painkiller, which does taste That's like tropical. like copper tone <laughs> suntan lotion, which is like it. It's the most tropical cocktail. That or, I mean, a pina colada. I was gonna say Bahama Mama. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, basically, what we're missing from this that would make it like. Solidify, like solidify it as being something that that like reminds me distinctly of the beach is coconut. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, coconut I think is what really nails in like 
this is beach times. Coconut just puts the sand between mm. your toes. Uh-huh. All it right. puts that sand between my toes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yum, yum sand. Um, we got sidetracked, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what? Yum, yum sand was off topic? Also, you um, know the words yum, yum happens quite often in your podcast. Does, Does it really? Yum, <laughs> yum, two yeah. yums? Yes. I was not aware of this. I was telling Lan, like, when I was, um, because I, I wanted to, I listen to the podcast when I'm at the gym a lot. So, like, okay. I listen to it in episodes. Okay. So, I was listening to Mondo's and you guys's, and he was explaining, <laughs> he was doing the whole rice analogy for one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he said. Which was great, by the way. And he says, oh, you I know, the it. distillation turns this into, you know, yum, yum booze. And I was like, <laughs> and, like, it, I, it stopped me, like, yum, yum booze. <laughs> Yum yum booze. <laughs> you just, that's and, that's actually going to be our spinoff podcast. Yum yum. It'll be called yum yum. It's in our, every episode. It's our, it's our spirit review podcast called yum yum booze. That's not a bad idea. Actually, TM. No one steal that. TM TM TM. You heard it. TM 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 TM. Yum yum, yum booze will be our spinoff podcast. Uh, if we ever find time to do anything other than this podcast or it'll be our s- this podcast at all. It'll be a silly TikTok series where we try That's things and say if it's good or bad. Yum Yum Booze. Welcome. To, yeah. uh, hello, everyone. And welcome to Yum Yum Booze, where we try spirits and see if they're good or not. I had this idea for a long time back home that me and my friend, we wanted to review bars, but we weren't mm-hmm. actually going to order their cocktails. We we're just going to get gin and tonics and just basically just trying to hype them up. But like, easy I way. love that. <laughs> I, like the vibes were off. I don't know. <laughs> Did I try any of their drinks? Not no. really. I had a gin and tonic. Um, <laughs> it was the same as the gin and tonic I had the other day. That's all I want to do. Just <laughs> absolutely just judge people just off the gin and tonic. I also just drink like a dirtbag, as I think you guys noticed by now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Someone's gotta. Someone's gotta. I I mean, I guess no one has to. <laughs> I catch myself quite often in these moments. Like, for someone that takes his career relatively seriously, you take lots of shots of warm gin. Look, everybody needs to stop not liking warm gin. Warm gin is delicious. Hot gin. Hot what, gin. what was it? Uh, Gilmore the Girls. Gin craze. That that uh, just warm pitchers. No, that was the gin craze. No, but there was also Gilmore Girls where they serve warm oh, pitchers yeah, of martinis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just had uniced pitchers of martinis yeah. that was just like Hot gin. room temperature warm, martinis. Warm, warm martini. Yum, yum. Yum, yum. <laughs> um, what were we talking about before? Who oh, Julio. I did want to talk about Julio. Okay. Yeah, talk more about <laughs> um, All right, back to Cuban cocktails. My random weird obsession with Cuban cocktails. Um, it does kind of go back with Julio Cabrera because Cafe La Trova, it, it's in Miami. It's in a really dope spot. I don't entirely know if this is the truest part of the story, but where the location is, is very important. That Julio was offered spots all around Miami's downtown district. He could have taken his pick a litter. Um, he opened it in Calle Ocho, which Calle Ocho is where all the immigrants ended up in Miami in the 70s and the 80s. My parents mm-hmm. included when they moved here. And so Calle Ocho is like a very historically Hispanic district, and it's thriving now that Cafe Trova is there. Like, it's won a bunch of awards. All the restaurants around them are doing really, really well now. So just someone to bring back, like, an award-winning culture to a place that was just dirt, man, for decades and decades and decades. And that guy is just awesome. And, like, the whole culture, like, the Continental thing where they're clean-shaven at every, every spot of the bar. Like, this was the first drink of Julio made me when I went there. And 
you just watch these guys work and I imagine it's how people do feel at the Rosebud Room when they watch us. Like these guys really care about every single grain of sugar that's in these cocktails. Like so just the love that that guy's got for that city. Like I love it. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, I really hope that's what people feel whenever they come into, to our bar, because that is a thing that, that we do is we do care exact, like we care about how every cocktail is made. We care how it looks. We care about, you know, whether or not you like it, uh, always, always, always let your bartenders know if you don't like a drink, uh, be, be nice about it, but we'll get you something different. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's awesome. The fact that you, the fact that like he essentially helped reinvigorate a neighborhood by choosing the spot in my opinion of course but like i remember growing up man you just didn't go to gaiocha at all if you're in miami like it just wasn't the safest spot of town and this guy has opened a bar that was just named the top 50 in the world on mm-hmm. that street it, it's so rad yeah that's really really cool it's like um i feel like there's three bars i talk about a lot with you Sweetwater, water trova and the dead rabbit and i think all three of them just share that kind of the same energy where we're just trying to make people happy. And mm-hmm. I think I'm really, really hoping that people feel the same way when they go into Rosie, of course. And I hope I can keep that going in my career in general. Just trying to make people happier. <laughs> Always. I mean, that's the that's the that's the move. That's the vibe. Is just trying to make people happy. Uh and trying and that's the mo- that's more important than how good your drinks are. And we've we've talked about that a lot on the podcast about just not caring as much about like the quality. We care more about how people feel than we do about like how good the cocktails are or, you know, whatever. So, um, obviously everything should come together to form this like perfect unity of everybody having a good time. But, but at the end of the day, the most important thing is making people feel welcome. I mean, that's the most important. I mean, our job is hospitality. Our Mm -hmm. job isn't drinks. Yeah. No matter how Mm -hmm. people like to approach it, people don't have a good time at your place, man. Then you failed at your job. Yeah. You can make the best cocktails in the world. Mm-hmm. No one I don't, don't, don't want to. I don't want to drink like, your cocktails wanna... if you're a douche. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that experience too. Like I've, got, I think I told you I'm not going to say the name of the bar, but like I went to one of the, the most famous bars in the world, and I did not have a good time. Like I felt like a jerk, and I got I got shushed at this bar, and oh, I did no. not think I was even being loud. It was like the first bar we went to too. Ooh. And I was like, I'm gonna leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and again, there I I think we've mentioned it before. There's a bar in Nashville that we always used to go to that like would always get our drinks wrong and like was just like kinda bad. But like I loved it and everyone was so nice and it was always a good time and the bartenders were always be nice and friendly. Like I'd be like, This isn't even the cocktail I ordered, but thank you, <laughs> you sweet angel. Um <laughs> and yeah, we went back. Not that bars should do that, but yeah. But but the moral of the story is you can be a hot mess as long as you're a nice hot mess. I yeah, like, I like the idea of Elise sitting at a bar. Definitely, just this isn't ordered, what I ordered. But ordered thank a martini, you. got like a Mexican margarita or whatever. Yeah, really. yeah. there was a, there was a very classic like I feel like it was like a margarita paloma. Like you order one of them, you, it's a toss up <laughs> as to what you get. Um, <laughs> that yeah. is that is what it was. It we, was just like they were like is... we're doing a special with Altos uh, tequila, and I was like hell yeah, I love Altos. Uh, I'll, they were like you can do either a margarita or a paloma, 
And both of us were like, yeah, let's do a Paloma. Got margaritas for yeah. sure. That, and that, that happened before, before with like, I went there with friends. And you like ordered that a daiquiri. Same thing, but like you weren't there one time. Like uh -huh. the same thing happened. Like just classic margarita Paloma swap up. Um, and again, like I, like we went there so much. So yeah, again, don't mix up your margaritas and Palomas, but like, yeah, get, if your, you do, get your drink orders right. But just like, be so nice that no one corrects you. Yeah. I think the biggest testament in the industry of like, there's no reason why this tastes as good as it does is the mojito at La Trova and the Guinness at the Dead Rabbit. I haven't had the mojito at La Trova, but I have had the Guinness at Dead Rabbit and hot diggity shit, is it good? There's no reason for that beer to be that much better than anywhere else in the world. I mean, they they say that it's better in Ireland. Um, and I don't know if that's true because I've never been to Ireland. Uh, I guess we have to go. They say that it's better there. Uh, and why? Just because uh, it's Ireland. Uh, they they say that uh, from what I've heard, like they make it differently over there, or the ones that they make there. I don't believe it. I think it's just the fact that you're in, in Ireland. Ireland. Um, the beer is fresher here. <laughs> the, we don't have to ship it overseas, you see. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, the I think it's just the vibe. I think it's like you know you're drinking a Guinness yeah. from like fresh from the tap at a, like a, a real Irish pub and somehow dead rabbit thousands of miles, thousands of miles away from Dublin uh, makes you feel that way. And I mean, it doesn't hurt that Sean and Jack are both like very Irish. Um, Julio's very Cuban. <laughs> so, I mean, Sorry. and that's our cue to... <laughs> To uh, end this portion of the episode, take a quick little break. Uh, Elise just spilled her drink. No, Luckily, it was mostly empty. It was, it was empty. empty, so it didn't get anywhere, I don't it, think. It did. It got all oh, over yeah, the scale. Sorry, and whoops. So we're going to take a little break to refresh that cocktail, refresh our table. Uh, and uh, we'll be back with some questions, some advice, some good times. And complaints. And complaints, probably. Anyway, we'll see you later. <laughs> I, I can't. Welcome back, everybody. And so that's why I'm better than you at Mario Kart. Oh, that's how we're going to be, huh? That's how we're going to be. <laughs> Uh, Liam's a cheater, guys. I'm not. I'm, I'm. I even didn't know how to drift. Neither did I until recently. But I like to say that I am very mediocre at Mario Kart because I have a life. So. Ooh. Mm. I mean, your husband's a cheater. You're suspiciously good at, at Mario Kart, uh, Lan. Uh, the the my secret is that I do not sleep, and I do just do Mario, Mario Kart. Kart instead of sleep. That's that's true. I've always liked the idea that as a bartender, I remember people always kind of like, it's like, do you just study all night? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just mm -hmm. yeah, totally video games and watching movies that I've watched a hundred times already. Uh -huh. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, I study the art of the drift, the Tokyo drift. The Tokyo drift. As they say. We should make that a cocktail. Tokyo drift? Tokyo drift. Uh-huh. We need to figure out this off the air so that we can no one steals it <laughs> everyone submit your recipes for what will be called the tokyo drift we'll pick the best one yeah um 
Anyway. I like that. Two trademarks in one episode. Which I I kind of I kind of stole the TM 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 from a podcast. I is that from is that from My Brother, My Brother and Me? They do it on and that's why we drink. Another podcast slightly about I think drinking, they also but more do it about on... paranormal things and I might be from something, like it might be from a show, but they they whenever they come up with an idea, they say TM TM TM. And so anytime I come up with an idea, I just go TM TM TM. Um I think it's also from my brother, my brother. Okay. They might they might do it and they might listen to that. But anyway, I don't want to trademark and trademarks. Yeah, TM 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 Um anyway, uh we yum yum <laughs> yum yum tm um that would be a good shirt if we ever I make was, merch <laughs> i was thinking that too i'm not joking like i was doing i was doing cardio and all i hear is one of yeah the yum yum booze i'm like stop excuse me <laughs> has it happened more than that I've, i feel like i've heard it before but i remember when mondo said it because you guys acted like he didn't say that at all and you just kept going but it was We're very just like- yeah. Very important. Sure. To me. Yeah. The yum yum boots. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's how I talk. <laughs> yeah. So. That. That. To be fair, that is kind of just totally something fair. that either of us would say just uh-huh. in passing. Yeah. As. A Without thought. Yeah. Uh, anyway, speaking of yum yum booze, um, we like to ask everyone on this podcast what their go to martini is because everyone wants to talk about their favorite martini. Okay. And if you don't have one, that's fine. No, I do. Um. Me we'll cut my- all this out and be really bummed about it. Yeah, I'll be so sad. I have a favorite martini. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I like a nice dirty Grey Goose. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> actually, like, um, I was thinking about this a little bit because I wanted to at least throw something out there that was going to be a curveball and like kind of catch your interest. For those of you that don't know, Lan is the martini guy and he will obsess over this until he makes me a good version of this. Mm. But me and Mondo are messing with one and it was gin. It was about three to one, two to one gin Amontillado. Uh, chocolate bitters and orange bitters. And it actually came out pretty dope. And we need you to make it for us soon. Okay. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> no, it was <laughs> weird. The whole time we were making it, we're like, Land would fuck this up. Like, he would make this really good. But I've already had, got ideas. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we did a version of it back at Sweetwater for no real reason other than, like, I think we just over poured someone a drink and we're like, just mm. put some bitters in there. And then, so it was gin, vermouth. Three to one or two to one, and orange and chocolate bitters. Yeah, we did a Montiato uh, though. And oh, a Montiato. Yes, sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and uh, now my gears are turning. Is it mole <laughs> bitters or was it Aztec chocolate bitters? When we did it at Sweetwater, it was Aztec bitters, and Mondo thinks that it'd be better with straight up Aztec bitters. But we did it with mole bitters at work. Yeah, I don't think we have the Aztec chocolate bitters at work. Um, if we do, we couldn't find them. Give me a week, <laughs> and I I think I I think I'll have something for my you. My thing with martinis is that I do like my martini wet, but I prefer sherry. I think in mine, like hmm. it's just a little bit of a just I've, difference where I feel like I'm cool. Fair, yeah. I've been really really liking uh, uh, either manzanilla and dry vermouth or manzanilla and coqui americano, uh, like two to one lately. That's been like a really good go-to of mine uh that was actually a call by brando another one of our co- our co-workers uh he asked for Koki and manzanilla brando's a gibson guy all day though isn't he? he not always uh when i'm he hasn't asked me for a gibson in a while he does often ask me for gibsons but he hasn't asked me for one in a minute have you ever tried to you guys lived in new york did you ever go to momofoku uh i think we tried 
they do a, a dirty Gibson with um, leek. Ooh, mm. it's really good, man. Okay. Um. Okay. Right? <laughs> Doesn't make for good audio, but I am just sitting here thoughtfully thinking about it. Um. I did just see a TikTok of someone who like fat washed their gin with olive oil. Yeah. And that sounded really it's good. It's fun. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just want olive oil. And we I, did it. Uh, olive, oil. Not, olive oil and I just everything. want olive, olive oil, oil and in my salt martinis. Replace my blood with olive, olive oil. juice. Honestly, suck it out and just pump me full of olive oil. That's it. That's how you want to go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She died the way she lived. Covered, <laughs> covered in, in olive oil. Full of olive oil. So much olive oil. Um, she died how she lived. Greasy. <laughs> Ew. Um, anyway, I love olive oil and drinks. Anyway. How do you normally go with your martinis? Like, uh, What type of gin do you normally go? I'm 50-50 with, a, with something like Beef Eater, Tanqueray, something like that. I like, like Brooklyn. Brooklyn or Ford's something clean. I yeah, I, I like a I like a big juniper punch, especially when I go with as much vermouth as I do. Punch, punch. Uh, although I, I will, I'll play with anything that's got a strong botanical quality to it. Uh, something that like can fight with the gin and win. Sorry, that can fight with the vermouth the and gin win. Fighting itself. I yeah, like the it. gin mm-hmm. fighting itself. Uh, the snake eating its own tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, the martini drinking its own self. <laughs> It's a two to one martini, um, two gin, one gin. gin. <laughs> <laughs> two different kinds of gin, though. Uh, one is one is an old Tom, one is a Plymouth. I don't hate that idea. Again, I drink warm gin on a regular basis. I don't though. know. There you go. <laughs> you know what sounds good with gin? More gin. More gin. Angus Durbitters. And Angus Durbitters. Yeah. Anyway. Now that we've talked about martinis. <laughs> I got a question for you. Yeah. What's your guilty pleasure drinks? What's my guilty pleasure drinks? I never feel guilty. About drinks. <laughs> Unless it's like <laughs> the one that I shouldn't have had. Uh, that's my guilty pleasure drink. Um, and it's less pleasure and more just guilt. More just like, oh, that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> this one was a bad was one. This one no was a bad pleasure, call. all guilt. Oh, no. Ah! What, did I, what did I do to myself? Um, I'll say um, I rarely go for a creamy drink. Okay. Uh it, I have to be in a certain type of mood for it. Um, that said, something like an Irish coffee, which is not like a guilty pleasure drink, but like I'll say, I, I just don't like it. Does, it doesn't typically. No, no, no. No, I have it. Uh, eggnog. All right. Eggnog is my guilty pleasure drink. So just the holiday season, you just got a card of it in your hand at all times? No. <laughs> No, I it's it's a, it's on rare occasion at this point that I drink eggnog, but like, and I don't feel I don't feel great about myself when I do drink it, <laughs> unless I've made like there was right around when I started bartending uh, at Old Glory, we had a Christmas party at our house, and I made I think Jeffrey Morgenthaler's uh, like large batch eggnog, and it was so good. Also. Do you remember that you made the like vegan eggnog with the the Bob's Red Mill 
egg replacer. I which do remember is that. Not egg. And it didn't turn out it awesome. Didn't, but but it, it didn't turn out that bad either. It didn't turn out that bad either. But I was making it, I was doing it single serving. I yeah. wasn't like blending it or anything. No. I think if I had blended it or or done something like that, it would have turned out nice. But I was shaking it. Um, just with ice. It, Have you seen like that vegan egg thing? I think it's just straight up just called just egg. egg. Yeah, it's called just egg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You I've had work? that. You you I seen this know. thing? You heard of this thing? Yeah, it's just you egg. seen this thing? You think I could work an eggnog? Yes. Sure. I think it could work an eggnog. Eggnog. <laughs> it is just egg. So. Just eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> TM, TM, TM. TM, TM. <laughs> let's call them. Let's sell, let's sell them this idea. Just Egg Eggnog. Um, yum, yum. Just Egg Eggnog. First of all, I like that name. Just Egg Eggnog. <laughs> just Egg Eggnog. Just Egg Eggnog. Yum, yum. <laughs> yum, yum. Just Egg Eggnog. It's like as close to Simlish as we can get <laughs> without it being Simlish. Oh, yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, anyway, eggnog. I honestly don't think I have a guilty pleasure drink because I only order drinks for pleasure. Like I'm just like, <laughs> like, like it's just like what looks the most delicious. I have no shame about it. And yeah, I, mean, I don't think that I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna order a little espresso martini. So basic. I'm like, no, like I want that espresso martini. I want that like the creamiest drink you have on the menu, sure. That's not like what I will necessarily order all the time. Well, when you're going for it, you but it, when I, I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. No guilt at all. Ooh, you had the Kinfolk flip the other yeah, night. Yeah, I we did. Went to Kinfolk, uh, it's a spot downtown uh, on Red River. Uh, it's like the, the uh, there's a restaurant, Moonshine, uh, and they have like a, a spirits library and cocktail bar downstairs. Cameron, or Cam, who works... The oh, Eleanor yeah, works over okay. there, um, and we went there with my with my mom and my brother the other day, and it was really rad. Yeah, um, the cocktails were amazing. The vibe was really cool. Uh, but also there was a great bar name, Kinfolk. Kinfolk, yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah, it was really really cool. Uh, but we had a great time, and uh, they had a flip. They had a flip yeah. on the menu, and it was really good. Like not not super sweet, pretty dry, but like yeah. still really decadent. Uh-huh. Were you freaked out the first time you ever presented a flip? No. I was. Okay. I just wasn't ready for it. Gotta be ready for a flip. Gotta be ready for a flip. Sometimes you're not ready for a flip and the flip flips you. The flip will flip you. <laughs> Got flipped. Uh, anyway. Got flipped. Yeah. So sometimes I'm just like, like if I want to order the most indulgent drink. Oh, anyway, I, just I changed will. my answer. I changed my answer. <laughs> I changed my answer. My guilty pleasure drink is a Ramos Jim Fizz. Oh yeah, then I will feel a little bit like <laughs> I will just feel guilty for ordering for ordering it. it. Yeah, then yes, that that is a fair answer. That is my guilty That's, pleasure. Yeah, I never feel. Answer. I'm I'm thinking back. I and think I, I'm I'm examining my life, and I've never felt guilty for drinking eggnog. I have felt guilty for ordering a Ramos Gin Fizz. I think the only time I've ever ordered, I, you've made them at home. I've made them at but home. But I've never ordered them out because I feel so guilty, except for in New Orleans when they were like front and center. They were like, this is we what we do. Do so Ramos Gin Fizzes. And I was like, okay. And it's, a, it's a New Orleans cocktail. I'll order it. Are you sure? And they're like, yeah. And, <laughs> and I still feel bad. But. All right. Do you think the Ramos is legitimately as big as a problem as we make it or have we blown it out of proportion i i all i hear all i get is i hear that it's a problem and then i feel extra bad so i have had it be a problem in the past that said pretty fast at making them but you logistically shouldn't be 
logistically shouldn't be. Well, it's it's like I'm I'm as fast as I possibly can be while making a Ramos, which is still pretty slow. But I've gotten to the point where like it doesn't necessarily slow down my round that much, or I can get a full round in while I'm making a Ramos. Like I'll build a round with one hand while I'm shaking a Ramos with the other. I've done That's it. And I'll do it again. I kind of feel like like Ramos is like Rod Stewart. Like kind of want to hate on him, but Maggie May is still a great song. Uh-huh. That's just yeah. how I feel about it. But the, the thing is, the thing is, it is an objectively delicious cocktail. It's just kind of a pain in the ass to make. Like it's not. I don't mind making them personally. Like if I'm also not going to say like, I don't mind making them, but at the same time, like I'm not giving anyone and I want everyone who's listening to this podcast (laughs) to get, to get this in their skull that I'm not giving anyone open invitation to come up to the bar and order a Ramos Gen Fizz from me. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that when they come up pretty rare, but when they do come up, I really don't mind making them. Slow Gen Fizz is better and it's on our menu. I disagree. I mean, the Slogan Fizz is good, but the like our Slogan Fizz is good, but I do prefer Ramos. What is the difference? Uh, Ramos has cream and egg white uh, and is usually just dry gin or old Tom. Uh, Slogan is made with Slogan, which is a liqueur. Okay. Uh, sweeter drink. Um, Does it take as long? No, it doesn't take nearly as long. Okay. I think I, I think I mentally can't get behind a Ramos sometimes where like I'll sit down and be like, hmm. Eggs, gin, and cream. I mean, like, (laughs) hey, do you like meringue? (laughs) Yeah. Do you like meringue? Because that's basically what I know, but that's easier for me to think about it like that. But like, just slurping it. Well, again, again, guilty pleasure. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. I don't. I don't often crave a Ramos. I think Ramos gin fizzes are a brunch drink. I agree with you, but not happily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're the they're like the perfect brunch drink. I disagree with that statement. I think it belongs. It's a what's brunch? a more what's a more perfect brunch drink? I think the perfect brunch drink is the mimosa. I I think so. I he, mm, hear me out. I mean, yes, yes, but, but there can be multiple perfect like brunch drinks. First of all, scrambled eggs in, but like drink toss salad. You don't even scrambled need eggs, eggs on your plate if you just have it in your glass. Yeah, that sounds Skip so it. unappealing. <laughs> Skip the scrambled eggs and scramble and them, scramble in, your, them in, in your glass. Drink. In yeah. your fizz, yeah. Uh, Put soda on your eggs with cream. <laughs> with cream, doesn't that sound delicious? For and breakfast? Lemon and lime, both. Before noon? Before noon, pre-noon. If or you, if like you tell an alien, like, <laughs> <laughs> like aliens eat brains and you know it. Aliens love eggs and cream with soda. Like if and... I if I spoke to an alien about like what we eat, so tell like, them like what wait, breakfast wait, is like. Hear me out. And then aliens, I go, eat, like, aliens eat brains and bugs. Hey man, so does some think... of my family <laughs> things I are rough in aliens... columbia sometimes hey, I'm, not, I'm not yucking the yum i'm just saying like if they're if they're skeeved out by eggs like aliens eat brains and bugs and we both know that i just think that like you explain an alien breakfast all right cool i have all this and then i put it in a cup and gin <laughs> <laughs> oh that <laughs> does not compute or at first it doesn't maybe regular breakfast doesn't compute to them and then you put it in ramos gin fizz and they're like Oh, oh yeah, eggs with cream in a drink with bubbles. Yeah, that makes sense. I maybe, think maybe the Ramos and Fizz was given to us by aliens, much like the pyramids. <laughs> oh no! 
That's where our podcast gets canceled. Oh boy. I'm going to have to resign again. I don't know. I like the idea like the aliens. I like the idea that aliens love bartenders solely based on Vonnegut. I think it's player piano that the only profession that can't be done by a robot is a bartender. If I remember correctly. Huh. I haven't read player piano. Do it. It's dope. I, yeah. I do like Vonnegut, so I will, I will do that. If I remember, I can't remember why the reasoning is. I haven't read, I haven't read it in a very long time, but if I remember correctly, the only profession that can't be done by a robot is a bartender. Hmm. Probably not. I believe it. There is definitely a certain amount of like creation and human interaction that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, once AI gets to that point, it's all, it's, it's over, over for us. us. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Man, when Taco Bell opened up the canteen, I was like, this is a wrap. I'm, I'm done, man. Like, this I'm, is, I'm not topping that. We're, we're done. Baja Blast with gin over. in it? It's a wrap, man. Are you kidding me? Uh, I will say that. Yeah, no. Ramos Gin Fizz, it is one of the perfect brunch drinks. And I'll, <laughs> I, I, I really do want to make my point here because I do think it's a salient one. Uh, mimosas are the best brunch drink for you to make. They're the most perfect brunch drink for you to make because literally all you need is that that carton of orange juice that you had that you bought like a month ago and your your uh, like sparkling wine that you forgot you had. Like that's all you need for your for your mimosas. And if you and if you're planning on having mimosas, all you need to do is go buy sparkling wine and orange juice and boom, that's a mimosa. Ramos Gin Fizz is the best drink to be served. For brunch, no. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I'm a- if you don't have to make it, I think that Ramos Gin Fizz is objectively a better drink. And if you've got like, if you've got like that brunch time hangover thing going on, then like, you know, it's the perfect brunch drink. Ramos is gonna fix that. Hotel Nacional. Hotel Nacional. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> You know what the you know what the best brunch drink is? Coffee. Everybody clean themselves up. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm like, is this where we just start listing every drink and how it could be a brunch drink? Coffee and water. <laughs> I also genuinely can't stand brunch, so I don't have that much of a like I mean, to stand I'm, on. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a. Bi- I'm not a big brunch fan. I haven't. In yeah. a million years. <laughs> I haven't had brunch since. We since spent the mid so much time talking yeah. about brunch. Not, a, not I, we're one like, do, Does anyone eat brunch? <laughs> we're like really. Is brunch over? <laughs> I think brunch is over. I don't think I've had breakfast in Austin since I've moved here outside of Bird Bear Biscuit. Because yeah. it's right across the street from me. Yeah. Anyway, no, nobody drinks. Nobody drinks brunch. Anymore. Nobody drinks nobody brunch. Drinks brunch. I, I, Who has time for brunch anymore? I'm so busy. I sleep right through brunch every time. That's my thought too. It's like. It is like breakfast up? for every other time of the day is cool. Like breakfast tacos 24-7 in Austin. Yeah, that's also Fuck the brunch. other thing. Like we don't Give have to breakfast like tacos at Austin's not a brunch town. We I'm can just tired. get breakfast tacos. I'll, I'll get tired. breakfast tacos at 9 p.m. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're, are you one-upping me? Because I said 8 p.m. And you're going to be like, <laughs> I'll eat them at 9 p.m. I'll, I'll do eat, them at 10 p.m. I'll eat them at 10.01. So there's only oh, certain tacos I won't eat and land knows. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. You will eat them if I bring them to you for free. I will not support those tacos with my money. <laughs> Anyways, what were we talking about? Brunch. Brunch. Guilty and how, pleasure. And how we don't do it. Anymore. Guilty pleasures. 
Yeah, just pleasures. 23 minutes into this this bit. Yeah. I'm not mad about it, man. Me neither. <laughs> like, just cut uh, out this whole part and just have like a side <laughs> of just us arguing about something that we don't do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're like, uh, this is the best brunch drink. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know when I stopped. Like, let's talk more about brunch. because The it, pandemic. Is, because was we it, were all living pandemic? our life. Yeah. And then it was a pandemic. And then there were so many photos of people like not giving a shit going to brunch with like their server in like the most PPE. And it was like terrible. Or like they're like a Black Lives Matter protest walking in the background. Yeah. And it just made brunch seem like super. What a weird cringe. time. Like. I'm sure it's as corny as it can be to say that, but like, what an insane time the, that we The world loves really corn right now, though. Insane. <laughs> it's corn. <laughs> but like, in no, South Florida, was, South Florida okay. was so much worse. Like, because they really yeah. didn't give a shit about COVID and yeah. all those marches oh, were going no. on. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Dude, I marched that's... down I-95 with some of my buddies and like ran away and then just went to work like the world wasn't on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck brunch. It was a lot. Yeah. Brunch Brunch is over. Brunch. Brunch You've been put on notice, and you can pack your bags and go away and hang out with the aliens. (laughs) Eat all your brains and eggs. Eat all your brains and eggs. Uh, And a drink, of course. Anyway, we should probably get into movie stuff, right? Yeah. So movies and TV. uh, It's a thing we do. Talk about. (laughs) Talk about. Um, Maybe one day we'll actually do movies and TV. But for now, we like to talk about how people in movies and TV are doing it wrong. And have you ever seen a movie or a TV show where a bartender just royally fucks up and you're like, that is just not how it works? Or pet peeves that happen during bartending scenes? Mm, Yes, but... Some of them I don't inherently want to blame the bartender enough. Well, it's it's rarely about the bartender. It's about the way that like for me, it's not necessarily about the bartender. It's about the way that 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 media portrays like, that moment. Portray portrays the bartender patron relationship. There's there's obviously stuff that bothers me about like techniques that that actors will use as bartenders, as you can hear in our most recent episode. Besides this one, uh, our previous episode, the one with Chris, where we you guys are talking about Uncharted, right? We do an, a play by play of Uncharted. <laughs> I do have a couple things. There's actually several. Yeah, the one tons. that I think about a lot is the leave the bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 we've talked, we talked about, about that, that one. one. It's yeah. wild. You'd have to be s- such an awful bartender to have that much faith in your patron that he's gonna know how many shots that he's. Hold on, himself. let me get out my wet erase marker. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just gonna just gonna mark where the bottle was, uh, and then I'll do the math to see how many shots you took. That's the one I think about quite often. Um, I think I have more of a problem like just little things will bother me like um, Mad Men when Don is making the old fashioned for Conrad Hilton mm-hmm. and like it's muddling the cherries and things like that and it's like it's fine whatever like but then I feel like that made do you think Mad Men made old fashions popular? Uh, we talked We talked about this briefly at work and I think that the that Mad Men and like the Mad Men vibe uh, definitely brought it. I don't know if it like fully repopularized it. I don't think that old fashions ever fully went out of style. But like I think I think that old fashions became vogue with younger people. Um, 
yeah, I think, I mean, I think that like your, your like grandfather has always been drinking old fashions and will continue to drink old fashions. Like that guy's always been drinking old fashions and Mad Men didn't change that. But I do think that like your 20, your 26 year old, like young professional who's watching Mad Men for the first time is like, yeah, I should wear suits more. Like that guy definitely started drinking old fashions because of Mad Men. Also, so you're saying that Don Draper made bad old fashions. I think I wouldn't like his old fashioned. But don't like, like don't you think either. that it's kind of makes sense that Don Draper would actually make a trash old fashioned? I disagree. I think you someone disagree? that's all about aesthetics and how. But like at the time, he has to present himself that way. At the time, do you think that that would have been? I think he made a perfect made- 1960s old fashioned. I think that he made old fashions the way, like the reason your grandfather, and by your grandfather, I just mean I gotcha. the collective grandfather, <laughs> likes their old fashions with muddled cherries and everything is because in the 1960s, that's how they were made. Like, that's how old fashions were made back then. I've had this conversation with Chris a couple times. What's the line where you want to correct someone on an old fashioned? And the reason I had this conversation with Chris is because mm-hmm. Chris is from... Wisconsin, and they drink their old fashions real weird. <laughs> they drink their old fashions. How weird! Extremely idiosyncratic. They do it over like the perfect uh, Wisconsin old fashioned is brandy, not whiskey, uh, extra sugar, huh. um, muddled cherry, and orange, huh. uh, and cracked ice, and sometimes also soda water. Orange, not sprite. Soda sprite. Yeah, sprite. Yeah. There's sprite. <laughs> it's like a hyper sweet. Um, it's a sweet drink. It's a like super clubby drink. It's a refreshing cocktail. Like it goes from being a like a strong, like a spirit forward cocktail to a refreshing cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it's it's its own thing. Honestly, mm-hmm. like a Wisconsin like a Wisconsin style old fashioned. It's its own thing, uh, apart from old fashions in general. Uh, and it's not wrong. Like. Uh, I think, but I think that I don't think that there's a point where I would correct someone on their old fashioned. Like, I'll have if somebody comes up to me the next time that like I'll make them an old fashioned the way we make an old fashioned. Um, but if somebody says like I'll have an old fashioned with Mary, like do you do you, do you put cherries in your old fashioned? I'd say no, but I can. Uh, and then the next question is, and if they're like, yes, please. Then the next question is, would you like me to muddle some in there? Or do you just want them as a garnish? Um, and you just kind of like you, you tailor, you, you can ask follow up questions to tailor the old fashioned to the guest, I think. And the way that they drink old fashions is not incorrect for them. Hey, and back to what we were saying earlier, like how, who am I to tell you what you exactly. drink is wrong? Yeah. So, so I think that that's, that's what you do is you retrofit your like the old fashioned that you make it work to their tastes do you put do you put cherries in this no but we can would you like me to muddle the cherries or do you just want them as a garnish uh do you want anything else muddled in there do would you like some orange muddled in there like do you want it pretty sweet do you want it more do you want it on a large cube do you want it on uh like cubed ice do you want it on crushed ice what do you, what would you like it how would you like it and and uh in that way i feel like an old-fashioned can very quickly become just as personal as a martini I was going to say that earlier. Is like I do feel like hmm. old fashions are getting to that realm where it's like people have the way that they like, they like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I think us as a bartending culture started to want to design it by names. So like a hawk and old fashioned is an old fashioned. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. A new Manhattan, I think it's called, with the sweet vermouth. It's an old fashioned. It's just I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's just, it's basically a Manhattan and an old fashioned just 
Hmm. Um, but again, who might I tell you you don't like it? I think I have less of circling back. I think I have less of a problem with how things are portrayed with as of right now, anyways, because I'm on TikTok a lot. I have more of an issue when I watch some things on TikTok bartending than I do like mm. in movies and things like that. That's fair. I, I have a lot of issues with like the way that TikTok bartenders often do their thing. Yeah. I think that in a lot of cases, it's really, really bad. Uh, but I think that this will actually lead us very well into our next segment. Mm. Um, listener questions. Listener questions. We'll take some listener questions and then, the, then I'll kick you out of my house. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, was there a specific one that you were? Uh, this one, I think, is four. Good. Yeah. Okay. So, our first question is if I want to learn more about cocktails, what resources, other than this podcast, of course, would you recommend? I'm hearing not TikTok. Uh, there's a lot of really great folk on TikTok, mm-hmm. but I think a lot, if you just go through TikTok bartendering hashtag or things like that, mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of just weird, just what's going on here yeah. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of really great guys. I'll pull out my phone in a second to find them. But there's one in particular that I actually watch pretty often on TikTok. He's, he rates a lot of cocktails and he's always mm-hmm. just giving good scores. It's just him just trying to like mm-hmm. stitch someone and tag. But his cocktails are really rad. But uh, Bad Birdie, she's a Miami and LA based bartender. She's on TikTok and on Instagram. She's amazing. I can't. I think she's super rad. She's probably my favorite just straight up bartender influencer out there. Um, But I really think the best way that you can learn about bartending is to go to the most accredited bar around you on a slow day, be ready to spend some money and just kick it, drink some drinks slowly and get to know the bartender just see what he says mm-hmm. or see what they say and just, just pick their brain a little bit. That's how I learn. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's how, that's how I think most of us did. Uh, I'll, I'll plug one too, uh, that my, I need to make sure that I've got the name right, but, uh, Likeable Drinks is another one on TikTok that's amazing. She was mm-hmm. um, she was one of Diageo Masterclass winners, I think, in 2018. But she's rad, and she does a lot of at-home bartender stuff, and it's always just really cool way to like make drinks. Uh, and one that I don't know if he is even a bartender, um, but he he I've I've seen some of his videos, and they're all like extremely good. Uh, uh, Thirsty Whale. Oh, no. um, at thirsty whale underscore underscore. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if he's a professional bartender, but his his cocktail specs are always on point. His technique is great. His advice is really good. Um, he's got like a he's got like a home bar that he uh, makes cocktails at, and it's a, like a really solid home bar. And his again, his like his technique is on point. His his tools recommendations are on point. Uh, his spirit recommendations are really good i don't know i my brother texted me about about this guy i was like hey do you know this know about this guy and i was like yeah i've seen a couple of his videos and he was like are they good and i was like frustratingly so <laughs> for for someone who's trying to do that kind of thing also like his 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 videos are like way better than mine <laughs> I, like social media world in general is just tough because it's really easy to look great. That's what I was going to say. I feel like it's aesthetics over like actual content and information. Because like, uh, I Rose don't want to be alone. mean. I think one of the but, ugliest like, drinks we have is one of the best drinks. Which the, one? The Butterbean. Mm-hmm. I think aesthetically it's a very plain looking drink, but it's 
delicious. It's a great drink. Um, I I go about this back and forth a lot. I think there's definitely a lot of drinks. I think that garnishing people are focusing a little mm. bit too much on that, and I want to blame social media on that because you go to Dead Rabbit, they don't really garnish all that much. We no. garnish super heavy at Roosevelt Room. I've always been really resistant to that. Um, I know we do it a lot at Roosevelt Room. Uh, and I, I've honestly, like, I've learned to take a lot of pride in my garnish game and making sure that I'm I'm on point with it. Um, like, I've I've worked really hard on it. I, it wasn't something that I was super good at or comfortable with before working there. And I, I honestly have been and kind of still am resistant to, like, super heavy garnishes. Because, like, I think that in a lot of cases, the cocktail should speak for itself. And also, I think that garnishes can often be wasteful. Yeah, I was I was just going to say, unless there's garnishes that are, like, using parts of fruits or parts of other ingredients, it's, like, not very eco-friendly. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I'm resistant to it in that way. But I, that said, like, I mean the paper plane on the paper plane is just a rat. Like it's it looks awesome. cool. Mm-hmm. Like it's a cumbersome garnish. I don't love it in practice, but like, I'll tell you what, the first time I saw it, I was like, Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> mm. it, Which can make a drink. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so weird. Like it's such a, it's a strange fine line that it's like, is this garnish cool? Is it too much? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like is it carrying the drink or is it adding some like is it adding something or is it like the only reason that the drink is interesting or good? Yeah. And I think that we strike a good balance with that at Roosevelt Room. I know that there are lots of bars that don't that have like really beautiful drinks or just drinks that look really interesting, crazy garnishes that just end up being kind of mediocre. Uh I think that we make some of the better versions of drinks that are like for the, especially for our classics, I feel like they're yeah. they're all like very 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 dialed in. Um, I have a lot of beef with tiki culture because of that. Where I feel yeah. like tiki tiki culture, it's such a it's a great culture, but it's strict for no reason. Hmm. And then, like, anytime I've been to a tiki bar, I always get a mai tai, and I'm always like, "This is rad." But, mai tais are great, but it's a mai tai. Like, does that make sense? Like, it's just mm-hmm. like yeah, I don't. And then it's garnished with 18 flowers that I leave next to my plate or whatever. I was mm-hmm. like, All right, yeah, come on. we've, we've talked about this in the past. Like if we ever opened a bar, like how, cause there are some garnishes that are like pretty, but then are maybe like too cumbersome to actually drink from. Uh, and like yeah. having like a little ramekin for your garnishes or something. When me and Maddie were in Mexico, we went to a bar that not one garnish, but like would give you like chocolates that would like kind of reap. Replenish your palate or like change yeah, your palate. Yeah, which like, like that's like if it's edible, like cherries or any, like I know mm-hmm. we just spent like 10 minutes shitting on cherries. <laughs> um, but like cherries or like if I can eat it or if it adds like a flavor or something, like that's like half the reason to order, man. Or just like don't cherries. even put it like in the put it on the side. I don't know. Yeah. Like it is it like a different flavor to break it up? Like, I have a I'd little theory that like that. cocktail culture follows culinary culture by like five years. So like how everybody was obsessed with just Michelin looking dishes that looked amazing that probably didn't taste mm. as much as it was worth $70. Yeah. And now that we're kind of in a culture that's obsessed with ramen and sandwiches, like we're going to get back to cocktails that are kind of like the same virus. Like I smell something good, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. Give I, me, give me I the best that. thing. 
Give me the thing that has the most flavor. We live in Austin. How many highballs do you think we've drank at Nickel City already? <laughs> um, I don't want to. It's a perfectly simple drink, though. I'm like, we, we're all highball people at, yeah. at Rosie. Okay, this is this is interesting, I guess. Um, how do you know if a bar is a good one? Is it just a vibe thing? Uh, and for context, I've been in seemingly good bars and asked for pretty common drinks of which the bartender had never heard of them or they didn't listen to the specs I wanted. Makes it more challenging to step out of my comfort zone in the next bar. So I have opinions about how I see both sides of that question. Okay. Um, yes, it is a big vibe thing at any bar. First and foremost, mm-hmm. vibes are incredibly important. I think cocktails are secondary. I think energy's first. I disagree. Really? No. no. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Back to like what we were saying earlier. Like, if you want a vodka soda, man, I better make you the best vodka soda. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter that we are leather cladded in these aprons. Doesn't matter. Like, if you go to a bar that people are wearing vests or whatever, mm-hmm. the energy we give off is incredibly important. Energy, music, lighting, if the bartender seems friendly. However, not to diss the reader or listener. If you walk into a bar with your own expectations of how a cocktail should taste, you're not giving that bar a chance to show you what they are doing. If, like, you, I don't go to a restaurant expecting my mom's coconut rice. That's kind of how I see that. Like, you have to be able to have a little flexibility. Like, let me see what they can do for me before I just am upset that they aren't doing what I can do for myself, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I guess think, it depends on the drink order. I, yeah. If you're like, if you're coming in like with something that is maybe a little more, okay, well, like, let me see your drink. But if you're like, I want, like, just like we were talking about old fashions before, if you're like, this is how I like my old fashions and they don't make it like that, that kind of sucks too. Yeah. I think that, I think, and yeah. if they don't communicate that, that they're like, we actually have an amazing old fashioned. Would you want to try our version of it? Like, I love when people try it. Like, give, like, I feel like that would be a necessary communication step rather than just like, fuck your old fashioned. I'm making my old fashioned and you're going to like it. Yeah. That kind of sucks. I've walked into a bar before where I asked for a Negroni and the and the bartender was like, and it wasn't like a dive bar. It was like a neighborhood bar. I didn't, I did, didn't really super know the vibe of it, but it was like, it was a new, like it was an, a like midtown New York bar should have. It wasn't, and it wasn't a dive. So like, they should have known how to make a Negroni. The guy was like, what is that again? And I was like, equal parts, gin, vermouth, Campari. Like, and, and like, I don't know. Like there's, there's something to be said for like, I don't know. I got kind of turned off by that. I was also a lot younger than, especially for younger drinkers, which I was then. I think this listener is also, um, they, these drinks or like you're not supposed to be the expert when you walk into a bar, especially like if you don't really know a whole lot, it's, it's, I think it's rough to walk into a bar, ask for a classic cocktail and then have the bartender be like, what is that again? I get that. Um, Granted, like they said that this was a reputable bar. So I can understand the frustration with that. That's fair. Mm -hmm. I I will say that I kind of test bars like on, on two two visits for one, like if I didn't like a bar once, eh, let me try again. Let me see how I feel about mm-hmm. another day. Maybe it was the staff. Maybe it was just maybe I was having a bad day. Yeah, I've, I've done that. I've, yeah, I've judged places off of the bad mood I was in. If I go to a dive bar, dive bar ish sports bar, I like to see if they have local beers. If they do, 
I kind of feel like they're a little more in touch with the community. That's like mm. a quick little test I do. Nice. If I go to a cocktail bar, I will try their daiquiri or old fashioned first. If I like one of those, then I'm probably gonna like something that they have on the menu. And then, um, and then I'll probably do a martini bar if I'm going somewhere like fine dining or something. I'll try a martini or see what their wine list is. Like th- that's a quick test I do. Mm. And then afterwards, is do I like the staff? Yeah, yeah. I think I think also uh, it's really important to to pay attention to your venue. You know, I like I'm not gonna walk into a dive bar and ask for a Negroni. Uh, I I mean I don't I expect most most bars above that, above like grungy dive bar to be able to make me a Negroni, but like I'm not gonna walk into a, a dive bar and ask for a Negroni. Uh, I'm going I'm not going to like I'm not gonna walk into a sports bar and ask for a Negroni. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna get a beer. I'm gonna get whatever. Like I, I try to pay attention to the vibe of the place that I'm walking into, what it seems like their wheelhouse is. And I try to play to that. And if I'm not in the mood for what their wheelhouse is, there are other bars that I can go to. Like if I'm, if I'm walking into a, to a dive bar or a sports bar or something like that, and I'm like, man, I really could use some cocktails. Then I might just turn around, walk out and go to a, a cocktail bar. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's no shade on that bar. Like, that's just the mood that I'm in. So I think that like, if you, if you are someone who is, who is looking to get into cocktails and is looking for someone to guide you through, you need to make sure you're going to a cocktail bar, um, so that you can find somebody that is more up on their craft to talk to. If you're talking to someone and they don't seem to know what they're doing, probably not a great cocktail bar or at least probably not a bartender who is like ready for that conversation. I got a better one actually. Now, okay. now, now that I'm thinking about this a little more. Okay. Um, better than what I just said is this No, like, like I can imagine how <laughs> yeah, people can go to a bar based on recommendation, recommendations on things online also. Yes. Um, I can't recommend enough. Things like Yelp and TripAdvisors aren't the best help. However, you go to your local bar, ask your bartender what his favorite places mm-hmm. are. He's probably going to give you three, four, five. One of those is going to be a banger. Yeah. 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 Which uh, also traveling too. Yeah. Like, when you're traveling, that's have that's like, like one place that you go or like maybe that has come as a recommendation from somewhere in your city. Like, oh, I'm going to this place. Like, where should I go? Go to there and then like have them make recommendations that like an- aren't going to make lists on places and, and they're going to be so good. If you can find, yeah, if you can find like a local watering hole or or like a, a local, like go to one of the cocktail bars that has been recommended and like have the others on your radar, like the one that seems most your vibe, go sit at the bar, talk to the bartender, ask for recommendations. Like w- when you get somebody who like then prints off like a slip of receipt paper and starts writing, like, you know, you've struck some like struck gold. Yeah. And then it's fine because you can go to the next place and be like, Joey from this bar said we should come down here. And they're like, Unless you're a jerk. And then I get a text message about it later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that will do it for us, folks. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, We really, really appreciate it. Uh, A couple things that we want to plug. Ivan, is there anything that you would like to plug? Um, Honestly, um, Nothing that I can really announce too soon. <laughs> yeah, I think I think, think Rodin talked about it. Might have already been Roden, announced. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry. Rodin and I, again, I do episodes on you guys. 
But Rhoda and I are working on a podcast and a TikTok together called Neat Pores Mixed Feelings. So we'll be trying mm-hmm. to do a little more informative bartending videos than just telling you what a recipe is. And hopefully people will be enjoying that a little bit. Yeah. But honestly, it's just a lot of studying at Rosie. So I hope you guys can come see me at the bar one day with this leather apron with my name on it. Yeah. It'll oh, be yeah. soon. It'll be soon. You guys Fingers are you guys crossed. are progressing so quickly. Uh and I'm so excited to see uh what y'all do. Chris and I's project, I think is I think we've talked a lot about wanting to do something with you about it, just trying to make it fun where we can actually enjoy each other's time while still working on these projects together. So a lot of that stuff I think you guys will be seeing more than you'll have to listen to this than anything else. Yeah. Like it's gonna be rad just being able to do all this stuff just for the next couple months. For sure. Mm-hmm. But for now it's Test, test, test at the Roosevelt room. <laughs> uh, Elise. If you want to listen to a podcast after this one, I also have another podcast about the climate crisis called World is Burning. Um, it's maybe less light than this podcast, but we still try to keep it fun and interesting. So if you want to learn something, head over there. We have lots of stories. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if you have questions for us, please send them to us on Instagram or TikTok at Bottle Episode Pod. Uh, you can also email us. If you've got like longer form questions, I highly recommend that you email us. Uh, that will be bottleepisodepod at gmail.com. Uh, and please, please, please uh, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or, or Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify. Uh, five-star reviews, if you've got them, uh, are great. Uh, if you have less than five stars, uh, I mean, like you can post them there or you could be like really chill and email us and tell us why you hate us. And then we can talk about uh, like maybe that you don't hate us, um, which would also be cool. Uh, but also we yeah. would like we would love feedback. to. Yeah, we Give would love to, to get constructive feedback so that we can say make this podcast. Yeah, say it to our faces uh, so that we can make this podcast better because, you know, we are only on episode 14 and we are still trying to. Uh, improve and make sure that this podcast is uh, as good as it possibly can be. Uh, and again, sorry for all of the delays lately. It's been a pretty wild summer. Uh, and Too we, wild, please. Let fall be boring. Yes. Please, dear God. <laughs> I, but we, we've, got, we've got a lot of fun stuff planned. We've got some really interesting guests lined up uh, and hopefully we will get those episodes out to you soon. Uh, so we will see y'all very, very soon in a couple weeks. Uh, with another episode come back to the grievance episode with me and all three trainees yeah, <laughs> i can't wait for- honestly yes. on a week where we're too busy we're just gonna give you a podcast and be like we'll just fucking I, go for we'll it we'll just guys. leave the room and the four of y'all can just gonna, yell at each other i'm gonna be like i have to run some errands i have to walk the dog just have at Who it mopped the floor last night <laughs> thank you all so much for joining us uh and we will see y'all in two weeks see you in two weeks bye Love you.